0: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Craig, and this is a decidedly different circumstance than the last time we podcast. Uh, We missed last week because I had to move, and moving in New York City is literally the worst thing on the planet. And considering the games we have to talk about today, that is saying something. Um, But we are back. I am in a new apartment eight blocks south uh, of where I used to live, and we are ready to talk Tottenham Hotspur. I am joined as always today, by our faithful Florida correspondent coming to us from the slopes of Miami, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing today?
2: Uh, uh not good. Uh, Spurs suck again. Um, life is meaningless. Uh, you know, whatever. Eat Arby's. Yeah. Boy, yeah. we're off to a
0: rare and start. Next up, uh, just ready to bring the positive vibes from uh, Georgia. It is Ben Daniels. Ben, just are you pumped?
1: Oh, I'm pumped. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, can't complain. Really? My wife got COVID. My wife got COVID, and I didn't because my immune system is apparently amazing. Uh, so, you know. Even if Spurs are terrible, I'm invincible, so that's nice to hear.
0: Well, you know, it's nice to know that despite what's happened the last two weeks, Arsenal are still taking L's somewhere. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, we have two less-than-great games to talk about this week. Uh, First is a 1-0 loss to uh, Brighton, (laughs) and the second is a 0-0 draw to Brentford. See, a more professional podcast would edit that out or re-record it, but not here. Yeah, so we have two, I, I, I'm not, you know, you can listen to a lot of podcasts for tactical analysis, and we'll probably get into that in a little bit, but I think we're going to start with vibes. Uh, going into the Brighton game, I mean, it felt like we were on top of the world, and then just nothing has gone right for Spurs since then. We, we've lost to Brentford on a last-minute winner. We Nope. Or lo- loser,
1: I don't know. We lost to Brighton, not Brentford.
0: Whatever. We lost to a team that starts with a B and an R Um, um, on a last-minute winner. And then Arsenal won two games in a row, including their game in hand against Chelsea, which, you know, Chelsea didn't show up for because I don't know what we were expecting, but we probably should have expected that. And then they squeaked out a win against United. And then we had a better but not much better performance against Brentford. It's just – it's funny because – I think the last time we recorded, it felt like, Jesus Christ, if Conte had gotten here at the beginning of the season, we could have won the league. I mean, we were flying. We were putting, like, six goals past everyone we played. And now we're, like, we're struggling to get shots off. I, it's
1: It drives me crazy because the last time we talked, you know, our Teta had just failed miserably to accommodate a couple of key injuries. And, you know, like you said, we were flying. And it seemed like ball was in our court. Arsenal were going to struggle to figure out how to retool this team. And, you know, nothing could go wrong for Spurs. And then suddenly Arteta makes like the obvious changes that you would make to solve for the absence of Thomas party. And we lose Matt Doherty and suddenly Conte doesn't know how to put a team together. And I don't, I don't know that any of us would have expected Matt Doherty to be like the linchpin for our season, but like that's kind of how it feels. It's like we put together a great run with him starting, and now without him, we don't know how to make a team that works.
0: Well, when we played Villa, I mean, we had Kaylee on to help us talk about that, and he was very sort of down on that performance. And I, I thought a lot of the reason we looked bad when we looked bad in that game was Villa was so physical you know I think I thought a lot of that game was down to that and I think you know I do think there is something to I think that is a bit of a common thread in the Brighton and Brentford games I think these are both games where the ref let it ride a little bit and I think we we were on, on, you know that that benefited our opponents more than us but I don't think it's nearly the reason for our difficulties that it would have been on, uh, in the Villa game and I don't know if these are two teams that figured us out. I don't know if we have forgot how to play. I will say that our defense looks solid again, even without, you know, Doherty or whoever we're sticking out in our fullback spots. I mean, we're not conceding anything, but the problem is all of a sudden we're not creating chances. And, you know, I, I, again, like we're obviously having some trouble progressing the balls up the wing, but, I don't know, Brian, I don't think that's entirely the issue. It can't be entirely the issue. I think they're already being out hurts. I I don't think it's kneecapping our team.
2: Yeah, I mean, the problem is that the issues are what the issues have been for, I don't know, the the last year or two years. Um, You know, there's just not ball progression in the team. There's not a plan when kick it to Harry Kane and let him kick it to son doesn't work. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that these last two matches have kind of also been uh, the worst two matches from Kulisevsky since he's joined and we've looked pretty bad. Um, You know, we've, we've really relied on him to be a source of creativity, to be another source of uh, shots And in the last two matches, he just didn't do much. Um, And I I, I think both Brighton and Brentford hit on a really, you know, simple strategy for slowing us down. And that was specifically Brighton was sitting Basuma right on Harry Kane and not allowing uh, Kane to beat them. And that sounds easier said than done, but when Kane is dropping deep into those positions and spraying passes around, he exposes himself to being sort of marked out of games like that. And and when you have a good midfielder like Basuma uh, that's able to stick with Kane physically and and to track him around the pitch – it it, it was a strategy that worked and and bright uh, Brentford tried it to a lesser extent, but you know, it, it, it it was still effective and you know, we just don't have a plan B. Um, There just isn't somebody else that's progressing the ball. There isn't somebody else creating chances and I don't, I don't know what we do. Well, I think, and I think, yeah, it seems, I think when you couple
0: that with, in these two last two games, I think on the one hand you're right that they've had a strategy for taking Kane out of the game, but also Kane, I think particularly the Brentford match, just wasn't as sharp as we're used to. I mean, yes they're pressing him more, yes they're marking him, but also like balls that land at his feet that he usually controls and you know can sort of turn into something if not like a Hollywood pass, you know, just possession, he's just not doing right now. And you know I know a lot of people are talking about oh going to Augusta or whatever. I just think he's had two off games. I don't know how much of that's, you know, Harry just had a bad day at the office and how much of that's, you know, um, how they're playing him. I mean, he still almost pulled off an incredible winner against Brentford. I mean, he almost managed it at the end of that match. I thought when he hit that, I thought it was going in, but.
1: I mean, the fact is, is we remain a very one-dimensional team and whether it's tactics or Harry Kane we can't absorb a day when Harry Kane isn't playing lights out. And, you know, I think for opposition teams, the blueprint for beating Spurs has been, you know, pretty well demonstrated by, you know, Southampton, Wolves, Brighton and Brentford and, you know, all these crappy teams that we've dropped points to recently. It's, you know, set up a mid block and press and deny the, the passes from the back into Harry Kane's feet, and we have no other ideas.
0: But it wasn't working and, for, I mean, that's, I, I guess the, I guess the idea would be that's easier said than done, and
1: these are two teams that have just managed to right. pull it off. Well, like, you know, I think Bill is a great example of a game where the team tried to do it and were largely successful, but the few times they weren't, Harry Kane was so good that it didn't matter. And, you know, Kulishewski had his moments, etc. as well, but, like, you know, we have to play at like such a high level individually to counter that because there's nothing we're doing systemically to like kind of mitigate this denial of service and this aggressive pressure um, and like mid-block defending, you know, that, that frustrates us normally so well. With our Um, wingbacks out at least. So. Right. You know, we just lost Matt Doherty as a, as an outlet, as a ball progressor. You know, he's not like great at any of those, but it's just... Well,
0: it's not even as a ball player. Like outlet. Behind the him, outlet, right? I
1: think, is yeah. what's really valuable there. Right. I mean, even so, like he can get the ball up the pitch and then move it along and then keep moving, whereas Royale, Cessignon, Regulon have not shown any ability in recent weeks to do anything. So we're just playing with nine men. And that's just never going to work. You know, I it, I hate that like this has become a bit beyond you know my my normal proclivity for just making everybody into a fullback or a wingback, but like it's so clear where the weak links are on the team that it it just drives me insane that Conte just doesn't try it. Just put somebody out there who's better at football than Emerson Royale. I don't care if it's Lucas. I don't care if he's not a wing back. I don't care if he's too stupid to play that position. I can't see how it's going to be worse because, like, we're bad. Well, here's at what the moment.
0: Here's what irritates me about it because I think there's a Conte has a certain level of a point to. This is my system. This is how we're going to play. I'm drilling it into everyone, and that's why we're going to, we're going to keep doing it. And that's for, especially for a guy who came in mid season. There, there's like again, I think there's a little bit of shooting yourself in the foot with that, but. I understand it to a point. What drives me a little nuts is, you know, Conte's sort of, and he hasn't really done it lately, to be fair, at least we don't think he's doing it lately, but his, his sort of like putting the gun to his own head and threatening to shoot, you know, it's like, you know, it's, if the whole point of this is I'm drilling you, I'm drilling you, I'm drilling you, and next year we're going to kick ass, and that's the whole reason I'm doing this. And, like, like this team's going to be ready. I still think that's a little ridiculous because we're going to replace players regardless in the offseason, season you know, we're going to have a preseason, you know, I think you should be, you know, like you said, Ben, like you should be solving problems for now and you could fix these things in the off season. But like, and I'm not even asking
1: him to change his system.
0: But my point is, if he he was just like, yeah, I'm here next year, we're doing this for next year. That's the point. Like I could stomach this a little bit more is all I'm saying. Like if it was all about the next season, if it was all about the future and like, this is what we're doing. I could de- I could cope with it a little bit better than I can with all this, you know, frankly, just threatening to leave all the time.
1: I just don't see how it benefits us next season to not be in the Champions League, <laughs> you know? Like, the, Well, we get big, to play the fewer matches, adjustment. which is what happens when you're in the Europa League, right? I mean, we're not going to play that many matches. Like, Kante has won one Champions League knockout tie in his career, you know? The Champions League is not going to be that burdensome, but, like, you still want to get into it. It's good for recruitment. It's good for morale. It's good for everybody.
0: Yeah, it's just been it's been frustrating because it really looked like we were in the driver's seat, and frankly, we were. You know, I don't see how Doherty is this important. Like, <laughs> I mean, no. I, we were we were beating the brakes off of teams, and I do think we're playing better defensively, and I do think there's something to be said for teams executing this against us and it's probably harder for some than others but it's just been, it's been really aggravating to watch us you know, and I can, you know, it's one thing if like, you know, you just get into a shootout with a team like Brighton or Brentford or whoever and sometimes you just end up on the wrong side of a, of a game with a, with, a, with a lesser team but man, these games, I mean, we're not creating shots all of a sudden which is crazy considering what we were doing, you know up until and through the Villa match
1: I mean, what do you want to see happen, Brian?
2: I mean, I think there's not much we can do right now other than just keep doing this. I mean, I understand your position, like, you know, anybody other than Emerson Royale or, uh, you know, but but I just don't think that Lucas at wingback or uh, Bergvine at wingback or whatever – ultimately solves any of the problems or makes us that much better or interesting. I, th- I think you just kind of have to play the cards you're doing and just play out the string on this and see what happens. Um, because, you know, it has been successful. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm like you guys, it's, it's frustrating that Doherty's absence is the thing that has like tanked this um, because who would have thought, but well, I, don't, I, don't, I
0: just and it's it's even more frustrating if you think about why Doherty's not playing right now I mean,
2: yeah you know. and and I mean you know yeah that's that's an unfortunate way to lose a player and it sucks um but I don't know like i I guess my my ultimate issue is is with this team is you know the same issue we've had since Musa Dembele left is. Like the midfield just isn't what we need, and we're now at a point where you know, with Lo Celso and Indombale gone, there's just not other options. And Skip is now out for the season because of surgery, um, and and so all of our midfielders at this point are uh, Hoyberg, um, Bentenker, and Harry Winks. And so nothing we do is going to make that better. Um, You know, the only only option that we have is like play Harry Kane in midfield and start Bergvine up top. Like, I I, I mean, I don't know. Like, is that, is that going to solve our problems? I don't, I don't think it is. So I I just, we just have to keep running the same 11 guys out there and just hoping that every once in a while it works.
1: Why? Like, why not tinker around the edges? I mean, like, I like, you know, I think you can make a real argument for why we should like try to play a four two three one um because we've done it and it's worked, or you know, play a, a third man in midfield, like there, play different wingbacks like, There are things that can be done. It seems like running this eleven out and just hoping it's gonna work out better next time because we really, really want it to, just seems like madness to me.
0: Welcome to the Conte
2: experience, I guess. Our yeah, I just don't is- I just don't know what the better I, like like cuz if you tinker with it around the edges you run the risk of the wheels falling off horribly. Like, you know, Emerson Royale is a liability offensively, but he's reasonably solid defensively and if you play Lucas there, then maybe you get a little more width and a little more attacking in product, but you get less defense and then you wind up leaking goals Um because, you know, Romero likes to run forward and stay forward. And Emerson maybe covers for Romero going forward, but now you lose that. So, like, I just don't think that there's a, a, an easy ready-made solution. And so, like, Why, why tinker around the edges instead of just like, you know, sticking with what has gotten us to this point and just like hoping and praying it's enough?
1: I mean, I guess it's like, I see your point, but we have five games left and we basically have to win all of them. And, you know, risking losing a game or just having another frustrating draw basically is the same result you know what's still going to be us missing top 4. So I'd rather like take a calculated risk. You know, if we go if we go into halftime this weekend and it's still nil nil, we've put together no chances and like Conte doesn't make like a big change, I'm going to be very frustrated because it's not working and I don't know how many games of it not working we have to sit through. For him to say, let's Five. do something different, and that Five might games. work. Five games. Five more games. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't I don't believe sitting and hoping is going to actually work out for us. Do you believe that that's the case? Do you think we've been good enough with I mean, this personnel? I think, I think it's going
0: to be different this week because we're playing... I mean, we're playing Lester, who I don't think are going to sit back in the way that these other teams I mean maybe they're going to play in a way that's going to try and neutralize us but I would imagine they're going to give us more space to play and that's going to put them at risk a little bit um you know I think it's going to be a different game um you know Conte talked a lot about oh it's hard to play with teams behind the ball and I do think uh, he was talking about like they practiced a lot this past week against teams they're going to pack it in against us and I I think you can look at Brentford and Brighton as teams that set out to neutralize us, but like they were playing in our half a lot. I mean, they weren't. You know, I think saying that they were like playing us offensively is a little bit of an overstatement. But you know, <sighs> Brentford had a lot
2: of the ball. Yeah, we did. I don't think Brentford a did a lot, lot of nothing, it,
0: but they, I mean, they did have the ball. So I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna see with a team like Leicester, who in theory should be a little more open, you know, give us some opportunities to counterattack against them. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. But, you know, I think it might be a bit of a different game this week. And, you know, we'll see how that goes.
2: I mean, I think the thing you have to bank on is that, like, Arsenal and Liverpool are not going to play that way against us. Arsenal, first of all, just don't have somebody that they can park on Harry Kane um, that would that would make that strategy effective, and Liverpool aren't going to play that way because that's just not how Liverpool play. Uh, and so you, you have to bank on taking something out of those matches. And and I guess to a lesser extent, uh, the lesser match and hope that, you know, that's yeah, Arsenal, enough to kind of carry.
0: You yeah. I hope Arsenal stub their toe again, which like, you know, Arsenal's a lot. I think Arsenal's a worse team than we are, but you know, they're, they're a lot like us and like one week, they look like they're not going to lose again for the rest of the year. And the next week, you know, they look like they can't beat, you know, a League One team. So You know, I mean, do I think Arsenal's gonna win gonna win all their games the rest of the year? I mean, absolutely, because we're that unlucky. But you know, if I was if I was a fan of another team, I wouldn't say that. I think Arsenal I think these are both teams that could drop points at any week. And it's gonna you know, I think a lot of it's probably gonna come down to that North London derby. But we do need to try something else. Um you know, I don't know if we will, but because Conte seems pretty dead set on this, but it's, it's our friend Ryan was saying to us when we were talking about this over the past week, was like Conte is infuriating because on the one hand, he's like not doing these things that it feels like, at least from an outsider perspective that we need to do to make top four, like, you know, making adjustments, tweaking, like trying something different, especially in the wingbacks or formation side. But at the same time, this conver- we're only having these conversations because he turned this team around to such a drastic degree. So it's like kind of infuriating. He just refuses to get us over that line.
1: Yeah, you know, and you know, you say Arsenal are are not going to lose again, and it's like seeing them just roll through Chelsea and Menu, like they were nothing, and but now you- they have West Ham, and West Ham have a semifinal... final um, you know, after and before their game. So you're going to expect a, a very rotated and very light uh, West Ham opposition. And the rest of their season is mediocre, you know, Leeds, Newcastle yeah, they've, Everton. They've lost to so, Southampton. I mean, you know, it's like... Right, like, are we both in the same boat where like we're only capable of beating good teams and we're gonna get our asses kicked by bad teams? I don't know. Well, what, but... what drives
0: me nuts is just like the way it felt like United and Chelsea's rolled over for them. Like, I mean, I, Chelsea's Chelsea's hurt or tired at the end of a long season, so like maybe that's their excuse. But like, I mean, they
1: rotated after a, a, a FA Cup match against Crystal Palace. And they were like, oh, I guess we should put out the B team for Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, and then and United, so- just
0: like, I mean, God, if they showed that level of fight against us, we would have been fine. You know, it's it's just, it's just, I again, like, I know it's not strictly true, but it just feels like it's lining up for them in a way that's deeply annoying. Like you said, West Ham, you know, they're going to rotate their entire team for that game, which doesn't mean they'll win, but, or Arsenal will win, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just aggravating, <laughs> and it, you know, I mean, I think we've seen. We shouldn't like chalk it up like that, um, because of the way the season's gone. Like, I don't think you can say Arse- I think you can say Arsenal or Spurs are safe in either any of their remaining fixtures, but it's just, you know, God, we had it. We had, I mean, Arsenal had it like six weeks ago or whatever it was, and we had it like two weeks ago, and we keep chucking it away.
2: Yeah, because- I mean. It's it's a it's a frustrating position to be in because you know any sort of you know positive result in these last two fixtures and we're still very much in control and you know I mean the, technically
0: we are in control if we win our last five matches we're in the Champions League
2: right but we play Liverpool so yeah you exactly know. um I, I think I think the thing is is just like you know Anything out of the Brentford match, like, not conceding a late winner in the Brighton match, and then the Brentford match just doing anything. Like, we had no shots on target. Like, we we didn't create good chances. We didn't, like – we just didn't do anything. And, like, we walk out of there with a point, and I – you know, that's better than losing, but, like, just – one point from those two matches is frustrating if it's four points if it's you know, two points we're fine if it's two yeah. points from
0: those two matches we're fine i mean so, so this is like i want to talk about because we were talking about like we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording is like spurs have just become i feel like enormously not all the time but in general much more stressful than they used to be to watch and i don't know if that's because like i'm getting older and just more, like, crabby in my old age or what. But, like, maybe we're all just, like, spoiled. I mean, we were, we had, like, what, four years under Pochettino, three years under Pochettino, where we were, like, if we weren't the best team in the league, we were, like, one of the two or three best teams in the league. I mean, maybe it's we just got incredibly spoiled. But I think that that, that was followed by a year where Pochettino melted melted down you know, we had this Jose Mourinho nonsense and then it even started with Nuno. It's like, I, I just wonder, even even with Conte, who's been largely, I mean, excellent for Spurs and made us such a better team and made us one of the best teams in the Premier League again, like, it's still because he's such a lunatic, this very up and down, stressful experience. And I'm kind of, you know, like, I, I would get stressed out and aggravated at Spurs. Like, you know, I remember during the Harry Redknapp era or. AVB or early poachers, you, know, you know, like we drop a game to someone, you know, it's not like we didn't drop games to teams we should have, we should have been beating in those eras. And I would like, you know, sort of, it would kind of like put me in a foul mood for an hour or two and I just wouldn't check Twitter, you know, or engage with soccer content for the rest of the day or the weekend. But like, I don't know, there just seems to be like, like we're all just enormously stressed and haven't like, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but like, we just haven't had a break from from this like roller coaster of the last few years, of this exhaustion of the last few years, and like I'm just wondering what it would take for us to get a sense of equilibrium back, or is that even possible? Because like what would the equilibrium look like? Like peak Pochettino again? Because that's like that's hard to do. That's hard for any team to achieve. And I'm just like wondering where like. Spurs aren't always exhausting. I don't mean it that way, but it, they are frequently exhausting in a way that I generally did not find them like, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. And I don't know if that's me getting jaded or just the last few years building. I don't know what Ben, you want to take it from here. I'm, I'm just rambling at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we definitely had our expectations inflated by the Pochettino years that has made us less forgiving of little blips in form. But I think, you know, this season has just been such a frustrating end to the terrible Mourinho years. Um, I think, you know, we hired Conte in a way that it felt like it was going to be the silver bullet and finally put us back on easy street. And it started off, like, that looked like that was happening and you know there's just were so few games left in the season that every setback felt like a catastrophe and you know his persona and interviews in the media you know threatening to leave saying well maybe I'm just not good enough to handle a club as terrible as Spurs you know <laughs> obviously didn't help anybody's mentality and then we finally clawed our way into being in pole position for the top four and then promptly threw it away again it's just like it's been such a, like you said, a roller coaster of emotions that there there's nothing to have an equilibrium around. You know, we don't know who we are, where we stand, how good we might be, you know, because everything is so up and down and has been for so long. You know, even under shows that we've had, like, really good patches and, like, Gareth Bale came in and was, like, kicking ass. It was like, oh, hey, maybe we're going to be good. And then, like, that went away really quickly. Like, we've had so many false dawns over the last couple seasons that it's hard not to freak out anytime something bad happens because you're like, oh is this is the end coming again?
0: Well I think think uh, about the way we're talking about Spurs tonight. Like we had six, seven games, what was it? Where we just looked like the best team in England. Like I mean not really, because the city and Liverpool, but like we looked like a team that was on that was capable i mean we did we beat city we looked like a team that could deservedly beat city in a relatively even match for several weeks we looked really good we had two bad weeks and we're already back to this shit and like i mean we're guilty of it like i'm not trying to blame this on anyone else like we're all we're all guilty of it in a certain way and maybe i should we should manage our own emotions a little bit better but i think it's telling ben the way you talked about it like oh we clawed our way back under conte and it's like we look really good. Like, I mean, by, I think by any standards, the Conte tenure has been a huge success. Like, I mean, we're playing so much better with a team that, you know, he inherited midseason and he's really turned around in a way that I didn't think was possible to this extent. And frankly, the fact that we're in the top four race, like should be, you know, we should just be happy to be here. I mean, you know, like, like if you told me when we fired Nuno that we'd be realistically, like realistically, not like with a a small chance in the top four at this time of year, I would have been thrilled. And it, but it's so, you know, I guess we got so spoiled under Pochettino or we've, you know, we've had so many gut punches under Mourinho that, and, and Pochettino before that. It's, it's just so hard to cope with the setback. I find it much harder to cope with the setbacks now that I used to.
2: I think part of the problem is is that we just don't have a good feel for where we are as a club anymore. I think when Pochettino came in and then those first few years, you had an idea of... This is what the vision was. This is where we were going. This was, you know, step one was here. Step two was here. Step three was here. So on and so forth. And since then. It's just kind of been a big jumble and, you know, Mourinho and then uh, uh, Nuno and now Conte and while. Conte is obviously a manager that has a clearly defined plan. I think we all accept that this is a a very short term appointment. He is not the manager for the next decade. He's the manager for the next two or three uh, two seasons, probably, uh, including this one. Uh, and anything after that is is outside the norm. And and so for that reason, it's hard for us as, as Spurs fans who especially folks like us who are newer Spurs fans, where we've always been like um, uh, associated with a team that's been like uh, striving for something, you know, trying to get to a certain place. Like, you know, when Ben became fans, it was like, we, you know, we're trying to get to the Champions League. We're, you know, that fifth best team. Now we're trying to get in the top four. And then, okay, we got into the top four and now we're trying to go beyond that. And, and, and so, you know, now We're at this position where, you know, what is it that we're shooting for? What is it that we're we're trying to get to? What's the plan to get there? And I think for me, that's the disconnect. That's why it feels weird right now. Like, I don't know what the direction is. I don't know what the next step is. So, like, you just have to go with it week to week. And that's why two consecutive setbacks feel so, like, bad. Like, because you can't look at it and go, oh, well, you know, look, we've got this guy coming in, we're going to do this, and, you know, Conte's going to do that. And it's just like, Ugh, in in 12 months, like, are we still going to feel this way? And uh, it, it's just, it's it's frustrating.
1: Well, and I think Brian, like, really- like, when you have a guy who, sorry, I was just saying, when you have a guy who, you know, is a short-term hire that you know is a short-term hire who's specifically here to like turn things around in the short term, you don't have a lot of time for a roller coaster. Like it needs to just get better and then stay better. And then we can figure out our next step. Once we've like achieved that new, that new, you know, plateau of like where our, our level is. And so to see him figure it out and be like, okay, great. We're, we're this team. And then, we'll go into the summer and like hopefully get better and then we'll pass the torch onto a new manager and you know we'll keep rising to see that disappear so quickly over 2 weeks is like oh okay so what did Conte actually do did he make us better has he turned things around or was that just, was that the blip like what's we have no sense of what's real and we only have maybe 40-ish games left with Conte at the helm so every game is you know, really crucial for his his tenure to get us to that level that he's supposed to be getting us to. So a loss in particular feels bad because it's not like, oh well, this is just a setback on a long journey that we're all on together. It's like we have a we have a very short clock here for this all to work out and doesn't handle setbacks well
0: and I, and you know we should have on some level, it's like it's Conte like. We, we, we all should have understood, you know, I'm sure the club did and I'm sure we should have understood what we were getting in terms of this is who he is. I mean, apparently he was a lunatic at Chelsea. I know he was a lunatic at Inter, but he was a lunatic before that. But, you know, I think that's the thing that's so aggravating is what Brian said. If, like, the remit here was, you know what, we fucked up our summer. We weren't able to bring Conte in. Now we got him. He did what he could with the roster this year. He's going to be here for, like, two more seasons and like, what's our goal? We're going to try and we're going to challenge for the league in those two seasons. That's that's our goal. Like, I that would be a very easy thing to get on board with, you know, and it would be and I think a lot of these setbacks would be a lot easier to swallow if we didn't have this psychodrama. And again, like I might just need to stop reading Matt Law's Twitter feed. It might be that simple that I, I know I fixate on that and I feel like I poison you guys with that. But I do think that mentality is out there that, you know, oh, this is so temporary and. You know, there's that, you know, yeah, these defeats suck because, oh, God, we're throwing away the Champions League. But it's also like when you come they're they're even more loaded because it's like, oh, God, what if Conte doesn't want to stay now and we're back to square one this summer? And it's like, you know, I think Brian's right about Spurs identity is like we're in this weird space. Pochino took us to a certain level and it's like, well, are we going to stay at that level? Or are we going to keep getting players who are that good? You know, I don't know. I think the something that's interesting about this club is like we've clearly decided we're gonna spend money on managers. Um I guess it's unless they new Nuno, but you know, we're clearly willing to hire elite level managers and there's certainly a level of ambition in this club, but they haven't figured out like, you know, Pochino really took us to another level and they haven't figured out either how to sustain us or operate at that
2: level, which I think is easier said than done, um, if we're being fair. Well and I think, you know, in terms of <sighs> I don't want to be all doom and gloom here because like in the grand scheme of things, we're still basically locked into a top five finish. And I know that fifth place isn't like anything, but you know,
0: no compared to what last year compared to exactly where we were in off the back of last
2: season, off the back of where we were in, you know, October, November, I think fifth and and Europa league qualification is, is pretty good. Um, and, you know, I look, the Ch- Champions League is great. Champions League is great for, you know, prestige, for money, for being able to track certain types of players. Um, but by the same token, I think that um, Conte and the club in general can draw the kind of guys we want. Um, I think you people look at... Um, the the Villarreal defender that was like, I don't want to go to Spurs because I want to play in the Champions League le- from last summer. And they go, oh, see, that, that's the example of drawing power. And, you know, the other thing that Spurs have uh, in terms of drawing power is um, uh, money. And we can just pay people. And if we do that over the summer, um, we can get a, a, a coherent squad put together. Um, that can compete for the league, regardless of whether we're in the Europa League or the Champions League. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to be doom and gloom and say, you know, if Arsenal beat us to fourth, it's the end of the world. Like, obviously, it sucks because we've been beating Arsenal for the last few years, and like that, it, this was what, like within our grasp, and we, and we didn't take it. But like, we can still be fine if we finish fifth.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think. You know, we've shown enough signs of progress and we have a manager who is, you know, prestigious enough that I don't think it's not like we're finishing like seventh, you know, a hard fought top four battle that we just miss out on, I think, is not going to be the nail in our coffin when it comes to having a productive summer. As long as, you know, Conte doesn't decide to leave.
2: Um, I mean, it sucks for us like as fans. Yeah, we don't like but, you know, it's not the be all end all for the club.
1: Well, that's right. The the work of this summer and getting into next season doesn't really change that much. It's probably a little easier with Champions League and it's a nice thing to look forward to. We want to be in the Champions League. It's fun to see us get to play those games. But, you know, whatever the Conte project, as much of a project as it is is still going well and will likely continue to go well through the summer. And that's something to be hopeful about because it didn't seem like anything was going well for this club, you know, last
2: summer. And <laughs> well, if we I, make it to the champions league with Conte, we're not going to win any games anyway, because he sucks at midweek games. Yeah. So.
0: Look, I, I'm fine with champions league being, we're going to sign better players because of it. Like at least while Conte's here, like I'm fine with that. That's why I want to be in it. But it's, you know, I mean, when you guys have, I think that's the thing is like, these have just been really turgid losses for us. And I think that makes it feel even worse. Like, if this is, I think if these losses have been like, say, that Leicester game was threatening to be before um, Bergvine saved us in the last minute, where like we were whipping Lester, Lester's ass and they just like kind of footballed us. Like, I think those are the kind of losses that would make this all a lot easier to stomach. But I think because we're, you know, like just it's just we're not producing shots. We're not doing the things that we were doing. And that, which is a crazy thing, because, you know, up until even through the villa game, we were creating tons of shots. We were doing all the attacking things we want to do. And it's just it's tough to watch. And it makes it really easy to forget. Like you guys were just saying, that like the progress we've made from October is incredible. We're still on a good trajectory. You know, this 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 is probably some sort of bump in the road. Unfortunately, it could cost us the Champions League. But you know I mean, you know, what do you want to, by and large, Conte's period at Spurs has been incredibly successful. And it's just, it's so, I think the last few years have made it so easy to just get, you know, like you said earlier, Ben, like as soon as anything goes wrong, it's like, well, shit, you know, is, is like, did we just fall off a cliff? Like, that's what it always feels like, to, at least to me now.
1: Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, to take some perspective, we've mostly been good under Conte. We haven't dropped points in three games in a row all season. You know, we've had some blips here and there, but we've turned it around quickly when we did. You know, we followed up the Southampton and Wolves losses by beating Man City. You know, like, it's it's not necessarily going to be the case that like, well, wheels fell off and now we're doomed for the rest of the season. Like, we'll probably figure it out, but it doesn't make every game that we blow any easier to stomach. I think is, is the hard part. Yeah. You know, like that's- it's entirely possible. We make the champions league by beating Arsenal and Liverpool and blowing it against stupid games like this. Like that's not outside the realm of possibility.
2: Yeah, it's just, you know, this season has been a massively stupid season. And, you know, we've got five games left. And, you know, for for us, for, like, content purposes, like, it's great to, like, look at this and try to draw conclusions and everything, but, like, I don't know. Like, how this team looks today is, you know, fingers crossed, not what we're going to be looking at. Uh, at the end of August, and so you know, if this if this collection of players played in this particular configuration can find some way to gut out, you know, four victories in the last five games, uh, then then maybe we make top four and it's fine, and and if they don't, then we probably finish fifth and that's also fine too. It's just it you know it. What I don't want to see is more matches like Brentford where we just don't do anything or where we don't seem to have a plan to do things. And and, and as long as we're out there doing stuff, like I, I, I would much rather watch that. Like if, if Liverpool come out and like blast us off the face of the earth, just because they're better and we're trying to play football with them, going back and forth, I will probably enjoy that game. Uh, but I I will not. I don't want to see another match like this Brentford match.
1: I think that's a really good point and speaks to the kind of Conte era in general. It's like we're not that fun of a team. Like when we're really beating the shit out of somebody, we're really fun. But we're not fun and losing. When we're losing and we're bad, we're just bad. We lose because we can't move the ball out of midfield. We're not creating chances. We're just impotent. And I think that's the real frustrating thing. Like, it's one thing to like go down swinging a few times and like, yeah, sometimes, you know, they get a lucky winner and you deal with that. Or like you get in a shootout and we lose three, two, but like most of our losses have been like, we just stunk that day. And like, we weren't doing anything fun. We weren't doing anything at all. And I think that leaves a real sour taste in your mouth. <laughs> you know, those are tough, tough ways to go down. Um, yeah, and even our victories, unless we're like really putting four or five goals past somebody, you know, you don't have a ton to to remember them by, other than, you know, the one time Kane found Son in behind and he scored. You know, it's all a little tedious. You know, we don't swashbuckle the way we did under Pochettino or even a Harry Redknapp. Uh, so it's like very AVB ball. It's just better.
0: Man, I disagree with that. When we're good, we're we're fun to watch. I mean,
1: no, I mean, when we were getting yeah, and we Gareth Bale was kicking the shit out of people, like, that was really fun.
0: No, I'm talking about, I mean, I mean, under Conte, like, when this team's humming under Conte, they're fun to watch. I mean, it's not just little moments here or there. I mean, they
1: no, 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 I agree. We have that, we've had a lot of those wins. We've also had some not, you know, those wins, but I think all of our losses are not
0: fun. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, like, the
0: United losses. You know, like, that yeah, was, that's I, probably I, I that the one outlier to what you're saying.
2: Yeah, but I I think that's probably the one outlier. But like, you know, Brentford and Brighton were just very much yes. the same sort of thing. There's, there's not against a lot teams. There's, yeah, it's against teams that about. we should be doing things to. So, like, to, for the Brentford match to get zero shots on target is embarrassing. Like how is that possible? And, and for, you know, the Brighton, you know, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we didn't, we didn't really create much in that match either. So um, I, I just, you know, I I agree, you know, when we're, when we're playing like we were against Aston Villa, that's fun. But if we just get bogged down and, you know, uh, stagnant, like we, we just, we, we don't have anything that we, can do against some of these other teams, and, and like the lack of a plan B is frustrating.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, I think it's it's a good a place to end it as <laughs> uh, before we keep going around in circles. Brian, where can people find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y.
0: Ben, where can people find your sunny thoughts on the internet?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. And you're on Twitter still because uh, you're not
0: on Mastodon anymore, right? We used to make Mastodon jokes on this podcast. We might have to be not <laughs> yeah, making we
1: Mastodon may have
2: jokes to... on this podcast. We may all
1: be on Mastodon soon. We'll see.
2: Just we're gonna switch over to LinkedIn. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. We'll follow <laughs> Willie over to LinkedIn.
0: We'll just
2: we'll just you, go to you... link, LinkedIn. Promote that rise and grind <laughs> lifestyle. You know.
0: Maybe that's what Spurs need. They just need to, you know, rise and grind. Gl- grind. You know, really, really beat it out every morning. So. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079, where I am rising and grinding with my small child every day. And uh, uh, on that note, (laughs) um, (laughs) 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 Um, for Ben, for Brian, and of course, for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.